McGuire, and you are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. On today's program, we're going to continue to expose the hidden works of darkness in light of the Word of God, because the Word of God is the light. And so I want to continue examining current events, social events, economic events, and even societal events and trends in the light of prophecy. And this is important because you and I don't live in a random chance, accidental, chaotic universe as we've been programmed to believe since childhood via the indoctrination of the educational system, the media, the news media, and essentially the major institutions in America and around the world uniformly um, work together because they are guided by the same unseen and largely invisible force that creates a network of humanistic, human-centered institutions and organizations. Now, that in and of itself could be potentially beneficial, potentially. But you see, the problem is, as, as many of you know, the problem is, and has always been, understanding the bottom line, like what is truth and what is falsehood. So if we're going to proceed in life, either individually or as a planet, a world, or a nation, or a civilization, if we're going to proceed forward to the degree that we realize a world worth living in, to the degree that we learn to live harmoniously with one another, to the degree that we are able to affect actual progress versus the illusion of progress, which only brings you into tyranny. This is all based, the outcome or the end game, so to speak. The outcome is always based on how much of the truth do you know, and are you acting in synchronization or, accord, or in accordance with that truth? So every civilization, every individual, every society, every nation rises or falls based on how much of the truth it allows in the hearts and minds of its people and in its institutions and in its, its very framework. Now, those nations that have barricaded themselves against the truth and have intentionally uh, embraced high-level falsehoods, which are based on lies, they always, if you look at the historical record, and if you were to make a, a graph of the rise and fall of empires, you would see that the rise and fall of empires parallels the rise and fall of how much of the truth are you willing to assimilate in your society and individuals and in whatever empire you're talking about. You notice that the minute these empires ruled by, you know, god kings of, of various sorts, the minute these empires reject aggressively, reject truth, and begin to aggressively pursue a delusionary counterfeit of the truth, 
which are known as lies, which is known as spiritual deception. It's at that point, if you were to look at a graph, in every case of the decline of empires, you see a corresponding decline in the amount of truth that is allowed into the society, into the system, into the individual heart. Now, the book of Revelation talks all about this in living, vibrant terms. And we're going to continue to talk about the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation is so up to date, up to the minute, up to the second, that it will give you answers. It will give people like me answers and you answers and anyone who inquires. It will give answers, the deep and lasting answers it will give or bestow upon any person, individual, or nation that will open themselves up to the truth. So the first question is, and this is what this is what gripped me as the, as the, the young 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 boy. I mean, it was almost like I can't describe it. As far back as I could remember, growing up in Jackson Heights, Queens, in an atheistic, secular humanist, transhumanist, existentialist home. Even before I could formulate those words, which were used in family discussions with their friends and stuff, my parents' friends, from from my earliest moments that I can recall in childhood. So I don't I don't even know how old I was. I can't even attempt to guess. Let's just arbitrarily say, starting at three, four years old, maybe earlier. You know, I don't know. But even at that young age. I was obsessed with finding out the answers to things like, why am I alive? What is my purpose in life? And what am I to do living on planet Earth? I mean, what's my overall purpose and mission? And why are we here as a human race? Who put us here? Because it was obvious that we didn't get here by accident. So I committed myself. I dedicated myself to searching uh, out for the truth to the answers of those questions. And so it began a lifelong pilgrimage, which has not stopped to this day. Um, And I don't want to go into all of that, but I do go into all of that in my book, uh, Power from on High, uh, and some of the other books at PaulMcGuire.us. I want to look at something with you. Now, I did not believe, I was told that there was no God, uh, that there really wasn't Jesus Christ, or if there was, well, no, that, that there was a Jesus Christ, but he was just a human being. And the, the school system, of course, ignored, which is another way of saying censored, any discussion, any inquiry regarding whether or not there was a God, the existence of God, things like, was there eternal life? Was there a heaven? Was there a hell? Was there an absolute right and an absolute wrong? Even when I was a young boy being educated in New York City, those were the censored ideas, thoughts, and questions. Now, today it's even worse. So, in light of that, the question is always the same Is there truth? What is the truth? What is a lie? So understanding that there is both the truth and a lie. Now, you know, in this uh, game of philosophy, if that's what you want to call it, 
a lot of people cheat in the game of philosophy because they can't win it honestly. If you were to use your honest, rational, logical mind, you would inevitably come up with the conclusion that there is a God, there is a right, there is a wrong, there is an absolute truth. And in opposition to all of that, there are lies, there is the lie, there is an evil personal force known as Satan or Lucifer, and they are in a age-long conflict with one another. And the human race and you, you and I are in the middle of all that. Now, um, so we take what's going on today in America and the rest of the world, and we see we are on the edge, we are teetering on the edge of igniting what scientists call human extinction-level events, which I talk about in my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. I talk about it in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, and I talk about it in some of my other books. We are teetering on the edge of what is labeled human extinction-level events. What is a human extinction-level event? A human extinction-level event is an event of such enormous magnitude that it literally threatens the existence of all life, including the lives of all human beings on planet Earth. So it, it brings with it, this kind of event brings with it the potential of wiping out mankind, wiping out the human race, and wiping out every living thing on planet Earth. Now, potential human extinction-level events could be a global thermonuclear war, a global war involving uh, DEWs, directed energy weapons, which are being used now and have been used openly, but hiding in plain sight out in the open. But people see the evidence of a directed energy weapon and they can't compute it in their brain because the mass media, the establishment media, the mainstream media and its institutions, they never, even though they'll show it on camera, they'll never uh, acknowledge that when you see buildings and cars and an entire geographic area like Lahaina, Maui, like Paris, uh, Paradise, California, and other areas where literally buildings, cars, structures, everything your eyes can see have not been bombed, have not been set on fire by some superheated, blazing fire that got out of control. That's, those are the lies that you're being told to prevent you from understanding the truth of what's really happening. What's really happening is that they have been the victims of directed energy weapons, which are futuristic science fiction-like technologies and sciences. The thing is, they do exist. They are borrowed from the technology of Nikola Tesla, and they have existed since uh, most likely the late 1940s. So you see, when you see buildings and cars and, and entire geographic areas not bombed, not burned, 
but on closer inspection and analysis, they have been vaporized. They have been vaporized by weapons that most people think only exist in the realm of science fiction, when in fact they exist in the world of our present day reality. When people or experts analyze the debris and, and the leftover carnage of places like Lahaina, Maui, and other places, they find that under the ground, deep under the ground, the actual piping systems, the metallic piping systems, are not only melted, but they're, they're still, if it's in relative proximity to the timing of the devastation, the underground piping systems are not only melted, but they're still in, they've been melted into a, like a liquefied liquid metal form. And, and they were so superheated that they remain in a liquefied metal form, you know, deep under the ground. And so you can come back, you know, five weeks later or whatever. And if you're digging deep, you're not going to hit pipes. You're going to hit like streams of liquid metal. Now, you know, and I know, and anybody with half a brain knows, blazing fires, no matter how intense, can't do that. Um, Fires, conventional bombs, missiles, etc., cannot vaporize huge structures or liquefy uh, metal piping deep underground. That is evidence of a do a directed energy beam weapon. So the 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 arsenal of directed energy beam weapons from superpowers all across the world collectively represent a. Uh, human extinction level event the same would be if there was a, a massive drought and massive crop failure which would result in massive starvation the same would be uh, a category of what could be called a pandemic or or a, a global disease outbreak it should be noted that um, when jesus christ spoke of the signs of the times he included global pandemics, global plagues, and of course that would encompass biological warfare or man-made uh, biological weapons. And man-made biological weapons can be delivered through a myriad and wide-ranging assortment of delivery systems. And it's important to know that. It's important to, to, to be up to speed. So, for example. As I talk about in my book, uh, The Greatest Battle, you have man-made vaccines that can be injected into the human body via the typical, you know, hypodermic needle, get a shot type of uh, vaccination, which is what most people think of. But you can also uh, be injected with a vaccine when they do the jab. The jab, it's a misnomer completely. If you think the jab was just a way of collecting bacteriological material for the purpose of analysis to see if you had COVID or not, that was not the purpose of, of the jab. Allegedly, according to many scientists and, and doctors, the actual jab itself, when they ram it in the back of your mouth, it punctures the, the tissue there. 
And the jab functions as uh, just a different type of hypodermic needle. It's just a different physical way of making a hypodermic needle. So when you jab somebody with that, quote, jab, you're, what you're doing is you're, in, you're injecting the elements of the, of the vaccine or vaccination. You're vaccinating, vaccinating them with the vax as you're jabbing them. Why? Because the material that you're jabbing them with punctures the tissue back there, and then it immediately fires um, the, the components of the vaccine. And it bypasses the blood-brain barrier, which delivers potentially toxic material into your biological system instantly, which is a far, far more powerful way of um, filling the human body on a microscopic level with whatever you want to put in it. So when Christ talked about the signs of the times, his wording encompassed all of the mannerisms by which biological warfare, pandemics, plagues, and things of that nature happen. Now, in our lifetime, especially with this relatively recent and, and ongoing COVID vax, there were many things that happened that were not fully disclosed to the American public and the global public as to what, what, what were the real components, or let's, let's just be really simplistic on this, what were the real ingredients, and were those ingredients in the vax safe for babies, pregnant mothers, young children, uh, elderly people, and, and then people of all ages, including people who are in incredibly physical and physical shape. In uh, incredibly good health, um, were all uh, could all have been at one time or another. It doesn't have to be instantaneous. It doesn't have to be three months later. You could see potentially negative results. These medical doctors say years down the road because you you put something into the human system, and it gets far more devious than that such as naming certain man-made artificial genetic components or naming artificial DNA. So you have scientists re-engineering our God-given DNA and re-engineering or making artificial non-human DNA, then injecting it into the human biological system. And then you, you hear about the allegations of certain patents, um, which you know are like legal copyrights for inventions, uh, where they actually name in the patent the name of one of the DNA strands, the artificial DNA strands. It's called Lucifer phase. Well. Lucifer phase. I mean, that, I mean, Lucifer, that's Satan. That's the devil. It's Lucifer. Why on earth would secular atheistic scientists create artificial DNA and name it Lucifer phase? Um, why would they do that? Well, you know why they would do that. 
that name is important to them. You do not, if you're, if you're taking out a patent on, on an invention, and this is a biological invention, or any invention, you want to protect ownership rights. That's the purpose of a patent. But it's also, you want to be able to, to, to boast, if you choose to, about, so you use your own name, or you use a name that has a, a high degree of significance or importance to you. So it's a dead giveaway. It's an unintended disclosure of a hidden motive. Okay, and, and it, you know, if you were a detective trying to solve a, a crime, this would be something you would have to investigate. So the question is, why is it important for certain billionaires and billionaire, trillionaire, globalist corporations and the World Health Organization and this conglomerate of uh, the global reset people, including the World Economic Forum, why is it important for there to be continual references to the specific name of Lucifer, like in Lucifer face? Well, it's obvious. That is important to them. It's a, it's, when you name a, a, a artificial DNA Lucifer face, you are essentially, that, that becomes an act of worship. You are naming that artificial DNA Lucifer face and whether you realize it or not, that constitutes an act of worship towards Lucifer or Satan. It's an act of worship because you're honoring, you're, you're, you're honoring a dark supernatural being, a fallen angel who is currently waging war with God. Now, if that was all of it, then perhaps, perhaps, with a big question mark, you might just dismiss it or blow it off and say, well, that's just a coincidence, or that's cute. He was trying to be clever. No, he wasn't trying to be clever. He was revealing the intent of his heart, and he's not afraid of the consequences because he has so much enormous power monetarily. He can essentially crush any opposition globally or crush uh, anybody that would dare to, to oppose him or that globalist agenda. Let's not forget that these are part of a group of people that constitute only 1% of the population of planet Earth, but they rule over 99% of the population of planet Earth. People like you and me, whether you realize it or not, are to one degree or another slaves of their globalist world system, and they are part of what is known as a Luciferian elite. This is not science fiction. You know, I've been talking about this and documenting this stuff for over 40 years, for crying out loud. I've been doing this a long time, long before, you know, Joe Blow got his own podcasting site and Harry got his, or Susie got her uh, internet social media thing going. You know, good for them. I mean, they, they raid my ideas on a regular basis, okay? Rate my ideas. I really don't care because my goal ultimately is get the message out. Because to the to the degree they tell the truth, that truth will set people free. So that's my attitude. Yeah, because I want to have an inner heart attitude that pleases the Lord, and that's important in spiritual warfare. So I want to expose a dark secret here 
again, that you need to know of. Because when you understand this, when you know the truth, it will set you free. You will understand in a simple form exactly what is going on in America and planet Earth. All the stuff that the mass media and your dumbed-down friends, I don't know them, I'm not naming anybody's name, I don't even know your friends personally, but all your socially engineered dumbed-down friends, because they chose to be dumbed-down, remember, they, they have a will. And when you have a will, and we all have a will, we, we have the right to choose to deny the truth, or we can use our will to accept the truth or believe the truth. So we are culpable. We are responsible. We're on the line for the truth. And God has written his laws genetically and in the DNA of God. Every man and woman, deep down inside, the law of God, the true biblical God, has been imprinted on the hearts and minds of men, genetically. So even if they muck or mess with God's DNA code, they, they can shape it, they can impact it, but they can't destroy it completely, because God won't allow that. And so the law of God is written or imprinted on the heart of every man and woman alive. That's why all men and women alive throughout human history whether they were taught the Bible, whether they were taught about Jesus or the Ten Commandments or not, whether they're a Buddhist or a Hindu or whatever, they all share deep down inside an inner knowledge of an absolute right and an absolute wrong. The law of God is written on their hearts. Therefore, if they do something or they see somebody doing something that constitutes evil or something that is incredibly wrong, they know it. Okay, they know it. But they have the power, if, if they want to, to suppress the truth or to suppress the knowing of what is right and wrong in unrighteousness. So, as the Bible says, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So, you can be confronted with wrong or right. But then, with your will, you can choose to suppress the knowledge of the truth. You can suppress the truth and, through your will, enter a state of uh, unrighteousness, where unrighteousness becomes your internal psychological spiritual status quo. So that's, that's how it goes. That's how the game goes. Now, Jesus Christ knew about this. God knew about this. And the reason for this, as you know, is that uh, ever since the Garden of Eden, where Lucifer, who, who was indwelling a, a reptilian-like lizard creature, uh, tempted Eve, who tempted Adam, to, to reject the Word of God. And as God promised, when they rejected the Word of God and ate from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, Bam! The, the fall of man occurred instantly. The death force entered the human race, and man fell. And man, which that includes woman too, man uh, lost his and her ability. They were given initially by God the spiritual authority to rule and reign over planet Earth and the Garden of Eden as kings and queens. But when they fell from grace, they lost their supernatural power and authority, 
They lost their genetic immortality and many other things. Okay, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Get up to speed. Get copies of the books I recommended to you uh, at paulmcguire.us, available to you now at a big discount. Plus, you're helping us to continue to go forward communicating the truth. And this constitutes not only evangelism, but it is, a, it is spiritual warfare. But in order for us to be victorious in the spiritual warfare, we need you to step up to the plate, ask the Lord what you should give, and whatever the Lord tells you to do, do. It's really simple. I built this ministry based on that principle. Whatever the Lord tells me to do, I endeavor to do. It's really simple. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Okay, visit paulmcguire.us. This is Paul McGuire. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. Okay, the book of Revelation, and we've been talking about this book because you and I are living in a time period the Bible refers to as the last days or the end of the age. And the book of Revelation chronicles all of this, and it tells us what is happening now and what is going to happen in the near future. Although one would be wise never to assign a specific date, year, or month, etc., because inevitably everybody that does that ends up uh, shooting themselves in the foot, because God said in his word, no man knows the day or the hour that Christ is going to return. So in light of that biblical truth, you'd have to be basically an idiot to, to run around, publish a book, or state a specific day, hour, month, etc., uh, asserting, well, that's when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. Because you're doing that, which is exactly, <laughs> it's exactly the opposite of what God told you to do, what Jesus Christ told us to do. No man knows the day or the hour, only our Father who is in heaven. Okay, so we are in the time period that the book of Revelation calls, uh, in the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse. And the Apocalypse refers to the unveiling or disclosing of reality that previously had not been perceived. Or in other words, the Apocalypse is about exposing the darkness all around us. The apocalypse exposes the darkness and illuminates the reality of truth, God's truth, all around us. And so the apocalypse came from God through Jesus Christ, whose past, present, and future position and work make up the content of the revelation communicated to. Um, John, the Apostle John, on the isle or island of Patmos, the content of the revelation communicated to John came from an angel of God. The purpose of this book is to show his servants, genuine believers in every age, what must take place between the first and second coming of Jesus. The entire message is to be signified and said through signs. This is the key to understanding of visions all of which contain symbols pointing to spiritual realities and behind historical experience. Now, um, I'm reading from the notes 
that Dr. Jack Hayford asked me to do uh, in his uh, Spirit-Filled Life Bible for Students. And uh, I had the privilege of writing all the notes from Genesis to Revelation, uh, all the word wealths, and, and, and a massive amount of material that explains uh, the various passages. And um, if you, I don't even know if it's in print anymore, but if you do try to get it in print, absolutely make sure you get the original version, because that's the one that contains my original notes, which I labored on for over a year full time. Uh, I labored on the translation and explanation of the book of Revelation um, with the goal in mind of making it understandable and making it uh, engaging to ordinary people. And uh, it was a best-selling Bible, and it, it did a tremendous job. But a number of years later, some editor, who, who was completely, in my opinion, out of sync with what I was trying to do and what Dr. Jack Hayford asked me to do, they kind of dumbed down the notes. Well, the dumbed-down version of the notes are not the notes that, that were published in the first whole bunch of uh, reprintings. Those, the, the, the latter version, which is even a different size Bible, even, it has lame artwork, and in my opinion, lame uh, explanations, uh, all of which I did my best to avoid because I, was, I realized we're in a spiritual battle, and if you want to grab hold of youth and young people and adults, you've got to be engaging, you've got to be contemporary, and you've got to be true to the Word of God. Well, by the time they got through with that, they had essentially, I'm not going to use the word I was thinking I was going to use. Anyway, so you want to get, it says on the, uh, the, the version that I wrote, the versions, or excuse me, the versions and all the reprints that I worked on, it'll say in, a, in one of the first pages, right after the table of contents, uh, it'll say contributors, executive editor Jack W. Hayford. And then it will talk about uh, the people who uh, contributed to the notes and uh, word definitions in the Bible. So the largest job was the word wealth and in-text notes, which I did. And it says by Paul McGuire, author, speaker, Bible teacher, Paul McGuire Ministries. That's the one you want to get, okay? And you don't want to get the lame version. I know I'm being blunt, but I, I cannot tell you how disgusted I was when when I came across years later uh, a, a redone lame version of what I labored to make exciting and dynamic. Uh, I'm going to shut up because uh, I don't want to go on and on about that. Okay, so, but that, so when you hear me reading, I'm reading from my own notes that I wrote uh, for Jack Hayford's uh, Spirit-Filled Life Bible for Students. Okay. Now, um, I want to continue to read something. So, so in verse 4 of Revelation chapter 1, it says, John, the seven churches which are in Asia. So, Jesus Christ, the angel of God, commands John to write uh, the book of Revelation down. And then he, he tells John to send it out to a select number uh, of churches, churches that were had enormous spiritual power and had enormous spiritual impact 
despite their faults in spreading the word of God and spreading evangelism throughout the world. And, and these are known as the seven churches of the apocalypse. And um, the, the seven churches were located uh, geographically on a major Roman postal route and are listed in order that a Roman messenger would reach the towns in semicircular sweep, starting out from Ephesus. Now, these seven churches of the Apocalypse are also referred to in the book of Revelation as the seven lampstands. So when you read the term the seven lampstands, that refers to the seven churches talked about in the book of Revelation. And um, I'm going to read you something, again, from the Spirit-Filled Life Bible for students. Uh, Okay, the seven churches of the Apocalypse were Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And each one of these churches, Jesus Christ gives a commendation to or praise to. He also uh, essentially gives a criticism or a rebuke or a strong exhortation to these same seven churches. Then Jesus Christ gives them a plan or instructions on how to get back to their original purpose and mission, and and that always called for repentance. Now, isn't it interesting that the, the modern evangelical church in America, probably the number one subject they don't want to preach on, is those messages or sermons that deal with repentance and they don't want to call the people to repent. And yet, when you look at Jesus Christ and his interaction with the seven churches of the Apocalypse, you see that he is continually calling these churches to repent. To repent. This is the, this is the essential instruction of the book of Revelation. This is the essential instructions from the Lord Jesus Christ to the seven churches of the Apocalypse. And yet, it is this main theme of repentance, which Jesus used over and over again when addressing these churches, which is the theme that the American evangelical or the American so-called Bible-believing church or evangelical church steadfastly rebels from and refuses to seriously teach and preach and call God's people to repentance. Now, there's something wrong there, isn't it? Well, you know what it is. One of the things and purposes of Paul McGuire Ministries and Paradise Mountain Church is to call the people of God to repentance before the Lord, both individually and collectively, because we are all sinners that are saved by grace. None of us is so pure and perfect and holy, that we don't need to repent. Now, now, when it comes to repentance, many times we will have to repent of different sins, or of the same common collective sin, but there's a call to repentance. And this is, rebe- this is rebelled against by the Church in America, and in rebelling from God when he has called us to repent, that is what is currently, what is currently hindering revival 
power from on high or the dunamis um, and uh, an authentic biblical revival or an authentic biblical third grade awakening, what, what is putting the brakes on it is not stopping it, but it is significantly slowing it down. What significantly is slowing it down is this rebellion internally by God's people who, who chaff at the commandment of Jesus Christ to repent. But repentance is, is what is needed before there can be a release of the power of God upon the people of God in America. Okay, this is our, you know, heavy-duty, massive spiritual weapons. These are our big cannons in the invisible realm, if you will, repentance. So Jesus Christ is, is talking to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Laodicea. So he commends them, okay, for what they did right. And then he criticizes criticize them for what they, they are doing wrong or have done wrong. Then he instructs them on how they need to correct their behavior. And he, he gives them uh, instruction on what they need to do. And then he lists a whole bunch of promises from God that will be poured out upon the church or the Christian individual that repents. So I'm not going to read them and name each church, but here's some of the instructive words that Jesus Christ gives these seven churches of the apocalypse. To Ephesians or Ephesus, he says, Do the works you did at first. To Smyrna, be faithful unto, until death. Pergamus, repent. Thyatira, Judgment is coming. Keep the faith. Sardis, repent, strengthen what remains. Repent, strengthen what remains. Philadelphia, keep the faith. Laodicea, which I think is probably most like the American Evangelical Church. But listen to what Jesus Christ says to the Church of Laodicea. Be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. So repentance is absolutely essential in igniting revival in our individual lives and as the supernatural body of Christ on earth. So, in Revelation, uh, there are numerous chapters where Jesus Christ, or excuse me, where the Apostle John writes down in detail uh, a message for each individual church. And so, in America, Remember that that there was a massive spiritual battle going on when Christ was still alive, just before he ascended into heaven, and he told the disciples that they needed to go to Jerusalem, where the Holy Spirit was first poured out, and they need to tarry or wait in prayer in Jerusalem. They need to cry out to God. They need to, to wait upon God in Jerusalem, Jesus Christ said, until the Father pours out power from on high, or the dunamis dynamite power of God upon the Church of Jesus Christ, until the believers in Jesus Christ are clothed with power from on high. Because it's only then, after they've been clothed with the supernatural power from on high, that they have the supernatural anointing by the Holy Spirit to overcome the devil, demons, and the world system, to save souls, to facilitate authentic revival, 
it's the only way they will have the sufficient spiritual energy force to win the spiritual battle in the invisible realm is they absolutely must be clothed with power from on high. But you, but that, but in the process of tarrying and waiting upon the Lord, there has to be, just like there has to be for you and me today in our lives and in the lives of the church today, there has to be soul searching. There has to be. Uh, admission of sins. There has to be confession of sins. There has to be repentance. And then there has to be a willingness on our parts and the church's part by faith to receive God's forgiveness and to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, when that happens, um, revival and the power of God can be released. And then the consequence of, of that is the devil that is defeated. The demonic powers are defeated. The the demonic networks in the invisible realm are shattered. The Luciferian elite are are blocked and thwarted. Uh, the plans of Satan are interfered with, and and there's a turnaround in the invisible realm, and the tide of the spiritual battle begins to turn in favor of the children of the true God. And that's what we need now in America more than anything else. More than anything else. And so, this is what Revelation is all about. It's about releasing the supernatural power of God, walking in the supernatural power of God, repenting of sins, receiving the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ, and learning to walk and renew our minds with the power of God's Word, because the power of God's Word is a supernatural resource that is unparalleled. It can't just be the power of God without the Word of God, because it's the Word of God that keeps people who claim to be filled with the power of God. It's the Word of God that keeps God's people in right doctrine, by keeps them going down the right path. It keeps them with their minds renewed. It, keep, it brings them closer to Jesus Christ. That's the power, the power of God's Word. Okay, this is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. I need your help to spread this message far and wide. It was because I have said things like this that I was booted off of uh, Google. I don't know if I'm ever going to be allowed back on. Every time I tell the truth in love, I get booted off. So what does that tell you about Google? and some of the other social media companies. What does it tell you about them? That if you speak the truth in love, they will wage war against you. And they do it through sneaky, subversive means, through computer algorithms, through bots. They will take you down. They will misdirect your name in the search engines. There's all kinds of sneaky little ways they can undermine and suppress you the ministry, and the message you're trying to deliver. So what is it about the people who own and rule organizations like Google? What is it about them that makes them so single-minded and unified in their attacking and waging spiritual war against God's people? Because if you're, if you're waging war against God's people, it, 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 what follows is the understanding that you're indeed waging war against God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is it about what you're doing? What is it about your agenda, your hidden agendas? What is it about your inner philosophy and belief system? What is it about you as people 
with ideas, etc. What is it about you that makes you want to partner with the plans of Lucifer and whether you realize it or not, wage war against the people of God? Because when you're silencing God's mouthpieces, however imperfect they may be, you're attempting to silence the Word of God from being spread across the nation and spread across the earth. What does that mean? You can connect the dots. I'll tell you what it means. It's really simple. We are in, as I said in the title of my book, currently we are in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. And the way this battle is playing out is in all the following ways that I just mentioned to you. And you can get at a discount the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world by going to paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. You are listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Again, this is Paul McGuire. Okay, let's let's look at an overview from a biblical perspective of what is going on behind the scenes in another dimension known as the invisible realm or the spiritual world. Now, this is not a manufactured fantasy world. This is a real world. Modern physics, especially through quantum physics and string theory, has proven that we live in a multi-dimensional world and universe or a multi-dimensional reality which is far larger than scientists originally believed it was. Originally, scientists stated that the only real realities that there are are the realities that we can perceive with our physical senses, you know, like smell, touch, taste, seeing, hearing. And if you couldn't perceive of something via your senses, then that something or that realm or that world simply did not exist. So the measuring standard for whether or not a reality or a a dimension actually existed was always contingent upon whether or not it could be perceived by your physical senses. And things that were outside of the realm of physical senses were categorized as things that simply did not exist. Then quantum physics came along and proved that there were essentially somewhere between 11 and 13 different dimensions, different dimensional realities. 11 to 13 different dimensional realities. And many of these realities are beyond the ability of our so-called normal physical senses, like seeing and hearing. They are beyond our ability to perceive these different realities, these different dimensions, because our physical senses are incapable of perceiving them. However, using advanced technological instrumentation and using mathematical theory and uh, equations from quantum physics, the world scientists changed their belief and are now convinced that there are somewhere between 11 and 13 entirely different dimensions. So again, we live in a multidimensional universe. And this is precisely what the Bible has said since the beginning. So while scientists were denying uh, our multidimensional reality for thousands of years, the Bible always, from Genesis to Revelation, has talked in countless passages about the existence of numerous multidimensional realities. The Bible has talked about the existence and reality of the invisible realm, and the Bible has talked extensively about entities, beings, fallen angels, angels, God, Satan, 
uh, and other entities that live and exist in these other dimensions that are unseen, the unseen dimensions. And that in order for some of these entities or beings to come into our physical dimension reality, they need a gateway, they need a doorway, they need what's called a portal or an open door uh, into, into different dimensions. And there are specific technologies and specific rituals and specific procedures which can generate, create, or manufacture open doors and portals into these different realities. So this is the reason that when fallen angels come to the earth realm, they need a physical dimension host body to inhabit in order for them to exist, in order for them to function, in order for them to act in this physical dimension earth reality. So fallen angels and demons, according to the Bible, have to either transform DNA, God's DNA, they have to transform God's DNA and create a hybrid species that is composed of part human female DNA and part fallen angel DNA. Now, this process, this illicit um, conception of fallen angel DNA and human DNA, creates uh, what is called the Rephaim or the Nephilim, which are hybrid creatures, and they allow for the the habitation of demons and fallen angels because they're they're not human anymore. Now, another methodology that demons and fallen angels use is what's called possession. So human beings, men and women, can be possessed internally by demons or evil spirits or fallen angels. And they use the human beings as host bodies, physical host bodies, in which to operate and function in the physical earth realm. And then finally, um, other things that are necessary is that there's a limited function or a limited operation that fallen angels and demons uh, can conduct in the physical earth realm. And this is one in which they don't possess or come into a human body or into, into an animal body. It's one in which that the demons operate from an external or outward. Uh, launching point, demons, fallen angels, uh, externally operate. So they're not inside a human being. They're not inside an animal. They externally operate, and that external operation constitutes a demonic oppression versus a demonic possession. And this demonic oppression from the outside to to a human being is theologically known as demonization. So you can be driven by demons to do uh, absolutely insane and evil things, but it's not because you're possessed, it's because you've given yourself over to be uh, demonized externally by a demon. And so this is the the landscape of the multidimensional warfare that you and I live in on planet Earth.
This is the Paul McGuire Report. Again, I'm Paul McGuire. I want to mention, by the way, as I talk about this multidimensional spiritual battle, uh, and that is what many of you are familiar with, and that's the CERN Large Hadron Collider. And there are many people who allege or suspect that the secret or hidden agenda or real purpose of CERN is to enable mankind to enter different dimensions, including time travel. In addition, along with the use of certain drugs, an an attempt is being made to remake the genetics of mankind to produce godmen, the symbol of the goddess Shiva doing the dance of creative destruction, order out of chaos, is shown at the Swiss facility in Geneva. CERN physicists, among other things, are searching for a god particle in order to open a dimensional portal. When we read Revelation chapter 9, we see an account of creatures released from the abyss by Apollyon. Popular researcher and author and speaker Tom Horn, who was uh, recently gone to heaven, a great man of God who, who opened up uh, the emphasis on this uh, research and teaching, uh, he, he talked in his books uh, a great deal about uh, what will happen with the Nephilim uh, released. And in an article in his one of his books, Apollyon Rising, 2012, Horn writes, in the 10th chapter of the Book of Enoch, it says the watchers who were judged during the flood would be bound beneath the hills of the earth for 70 generations until the day of their final judgment when they will be released from those confines and thrown into an abyss of fire to torment and the prison in which they shall be confined forever. Okay, but then in the 15th chapter of the book of Enoch, Enoch writes about the deceased offspring of the watchers, the giants or Nephilim, and describes them as being released at the same time to bring slaughter and destruction upon man. The spirit of the giants shall be concealed and shall not rise up against the sons of men, against women, until they come forth during the days of slaughter and destruction. Now, this, this, this is in my book, uh, A Prophecy. All of this was, uh, including the horn quotes, were from my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1. Um, I'm going to continue from my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America. The particular prophecy mirrors those of Isaiah and other uh, books on the Apocalypse, which indicate a future date in which watchers will rise for judgment while their giant offspring resurrect from beneath the hills of the earth to wreak havoc upon earth. According to Enoch, this unparalleled event is scheduled to occur 70 generations uh, have passed from the time of the flood. So this opens the door to to all kinds of investigation. Um, what I'm going to read again from my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America. Although this is pure conjecture, one wonders if the legend of Hyperborea, which speaks of a civilization under the earth built by godmen, or possibly Nephilim during the flood, are being referred to here. Obviously, there are theological as well as scientific problems with such speculation, but the question is interesting in light of recent discoveries. Now, Hyperborea and some of these other uh, uh, legendary 
potentially mythological, but potentially also real super-civilizations. Hyperborea was located deep under the ice. So you have super-civilizations that were located not only deep under the ice of Antarctica, but deep under the ice of the Arctic. And, and the point is that uh, the Nazis were so convinced of the reality of uh, a legendary super-civilization buried, not buried, built deep under the ice of Antarctica, that Hitler sent fleets of specially equipped submarines, specially constructed giant ships, which could break up the frozen ice in the waters surrounding Antarctica. And he, he established uh, underground military bases deep under Antarctica. And, and there goes along with that from numerous religions and and texts in ancient history, this this ongoing mythology of uh, a race of supermen and the results of uh, genetic engineering going back thousands of years. Now, um, all of this stuff connects with the existence of the Nephilim and the Rephium, and uh, their, their, the fact that their DNA was a hybrid mixture of human female DNA and uh, fallen angel DNA. So, um, the uh, point that I'm, I'm driving towards, somewhat awkwardly, I apologize, is that, well, let me read you something from my book again. Uh, a Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1. And there's also A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 2. So, um, let me read from my book. The atomic bomb was detonated on a 33rd parallel in New Mexico on what is called the Road of Death. The same year George Bush was supposedly baptized as Gog, in a well-researched 1999 article by Michael Kaufman uh, in Discerning the Times, uh, he wrote an article called Babylon the Great. The author outlines, quote, the plan, which I talk a lot about in my book and other books. And the plan is something you should be aware of. Now, uh, there exists and there has existed for thousands of years a secretive scientific elite or occult elite, which is using things like the environmental movement as a Trojan horse to sneak in their global government. The United Nations Earth Summit at Rio de Janeiro in 1992 appears to have been inspired by theosophy, which is an occult religious system, and reference was made to light. But it is important to understand that the light that is being referred to is the light of Lucifer and the plan as the plan of Lucifer. Now, when you read, which I have, and I, I write about it in my books, when you read the, the documents in the archives of the United Nations website, on their own website, you've got to really hunt for it, it's hard to find, and you begin to read their archives, you see that the United Nations from the very beginning has embraced this Luciferian plan or the plan. And, and one of the popularizers of the plan was an occult teacher whose name was Madame Blavatsky. One of her most, well, her number one disciple was named Alice Bailey. And Alice Bailey created an organization 
on the grounds of the United Nations called Lucifer Trust, which was later changed to Lucis Trust. The goal of Lucis Trust is to move toward Lucifer's plan on Earth, which was given to her by uh, her spirit guide, who was an ascended master and also her spiritual guru. Madame Blavatsky passed on many of her teachings to Alice Bailey. Blavatsky wrote, Lucifer is the divine and terrestrial light, the Holy Ghost and Satan, at one at one, the same time. It now stands proven that Satan, or the red fiery dragon, and Lucifer, or light bearer, is in us. It is our mind, our tempter and redeemer. Hel- uh, um, Helen, by the way, that's a quote from Helen Blavatsky herself from her book, The Secret Doctrine, um, which was written back in 1888. Madame Blavatsky and Alice Bailey believed their teachings came from ancient, Babylon, from ancient Babylon and were passed on by an occult Aryan race of godmen from Atlantis. Adolf Hitler received the ideas about an Aryan super race from Blavatsky. So what you have to understand here is that the Nazis and their connection to so many of these things, the Nazis were occultists. They were disciples of Madame Blavatsky. They believed in uh, genetic engineering and uh, genetically re-engineering the DNA of man in order to create a super race or a race of godmen. And at the same time, it was their plan to exterminate or wipe out anybody that the Nazis considered to be genetically inferior or genetically deficient, and that included not only Protestants, Jews, people with mental problems, uh, and, and a whole spectrum of people. And a whole spectrum of people they literally exterminated in the Holocaust, where they wiped out 35 million people. So ideas have consequences, and that this is a demonic, and always has been a demonic idea. Think about it. If you ask yourself the question, why is it that these evil people with so much money and power can do on a regular basis the unthinkable, that they can do incredible acts of evil upon their fellow human beings and think nothing of it? History is full of examples of people who have acquired enormous power, enormous wealth, and and essentially dedicate their lives to the the instructions of Lucifer. So we have, you know, you have to take this stuff seriously, or you're going to be blindsided by what they do. And the way you're going to be blindsided by what they do is because you're going to enter the state of consciousness known as the denial. And when you're in a state of denial, even though your rational, logical mind can obviously see the facts and can obviously project what is going to happen in the future, you make a choice with your will to shut down the analytical, logical, rational parts of your brain, and you make the choice with your will to go into a psychological state of denial, which allows you to deny the reality of what's really happening, and you enter a fictitious world of make-believe. Now, that in and of itself, that's a function of spiritual deception. That's a function of the devil's ability to deceive mankind. When you're looking at reality, and reality is trying to teach you a lesson or to give you a warning, 
and you know the historical facts of what is going to happen because you're using your logical and rational mind, yet you choose at the end of the day to deny reality and enter kind of a Walt Disney land of make-believe, then you're going to suffer the consequences. You will wake up and you will face some kind of horrific attack of evil that you knew deep down inside was coming, but you never did anything about it because you thought you could seek refuge not in the throne room of God through prayer and asking God for help, but you thought you could seek refuge by entering the land of make-believe and and escaping into some kind of fictitious inner sanctuary of your mind. That doesn't work. You're playing mind games with yourself, and playing mind games with yourself leads to death and destruction. So let's get inside for a moment the heads of these Luciferians. And these are the, the Luciferian gurus, if you will, whose teachings, whose ideas, whose beliefs have fueled the the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset, etc. So let me read you from my book, uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America, what a Luciferian who set up Lucifer Trust on, on the grounds of the United Nations, what Alice Bailey wrote. And, and listen carefully to her words. Quote, the men who inspired initiating the French Revolution, the great conqueror Napoleon Bismarck, the creator of a nation, Mussolini, the regenerator of his people, Hitler, who was lifted a distressed people upon his shoulders, Lenin, the idealist, Stalin and Franco are all expressions of the Shambhala, will of God, or the Shambhala, will of God force, and of certain little understood energies. We call these people dictators, demagogues, inspired leaders, but all these leaders are, in the last analysis, being used to engineer great and needed changes to alter the face of civilization. And this is from Alice Bailey's famous book, The Externalization of the Hierarchy, published by Lucis Publishing, formerly known as Lucifer Trust. So when you read uh, what Alice Bailey is writing, when you read this, you, 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 you see and read a bone-chilling narrative of a woman that that the heads of the United Nations, that the wealthiest and most powerful globalist elite of the world admire and follow her and follow her guidelines. And this is a woman without any apparent conscience. This is a woman who apparently has given her mind over to Satan to such a degree that good becomes evil and evil becomes good. I mean, what else? How else can you explain her? literally praising every evil leader and every evil movement in mankind. Remember, the French Revolution, which she she praises, which I go into great detail about in my book, The Greatest Battle, was the French Revolution was initiated by Antichrist philosophers who secretly had a plan to kill millions of Christians in France, and they were already beheading and chopping the heads off uh, Christian ministers in the, in the streets of Paris. I stood in the exact location of where uh, the heads of Christian ministers were beheaded. I saw the the architectural uh, uh, monuments 
that that made reference uh, in positive terms to 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 the mass killing that happened because of the French Revolution. But she praises this Antichrist revolution. She praises uh, Napoleon and Bismarck uh, and dictators like Mussolini. She praises Adolf Hitler. She praises uh, Lenin and and Stalin, uh, the communist dictators and revolutionaries. And then she doesn't acknowledge the Holy Spirit. She doesn't acknowledge the power of God. She makes reference to a demonic energy known as the Shambhala, will of God force, and, quote, certain little understood energies. In other words, she's implying that if you are an initiate into Luciferianism, you can tap into secret occult powers and technologies. But of course, the price tag is you're going to have to sell your soul. And sadly to say, there are people in this world, some of them the richest and most powerful people in this world, who apparently have sold their soul, and they're in the process today of carrying out Lucifer's plan, all of which the Bible warns us about over and over again. And in fact, in the book of Revelation, we see the climax of this this clash of Lucifer and his servants with God uh, and the angels of God and the followers of God. And this, this warfare, this spiritual warfare, culminates at the end of the last spiritual war on planet Earth, which is known as the War of Armageddon, where Satan is finally defeated, false prophet is defeated, the Antichrist is defeated, all those who receive the mark of the beast are defeated, and all those uh, fallen angels and demons are defeated when Christ returns along with the armies of heaven at Armageddon. So when we look at Revelation chapter 20, and by the way, the book of Revelation, the majority of the so-called Christian church in America right now, in the time of its greatest need, actually forbids the teaching of the book of Revelation, despite the fact that the book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible where God says at the beginning of the book of Revelation and at the end of the book of Revelation that if you don't teach the book of Revelation, or if you twist or alter the meaning of the book of Revelation, that you are under a curse from God. And the penalty for not teaching the book of Revelation or twisting or altering the book of Revelation is, according to God, the fact that your name could be blotted out from the book of life, which means it will be impossible. You may call yourself a Christian, but you will not enter the kingdom of heaven because you will be blocked out because your name was blotted out from the book of life, which is a punishment promised to anybody who does not teach the book of Revelation or who alters or modifies the the meaning of the book of Revelation. All right, so in Revelation chapter 19, this whole present reality system or temporary world system is going to come to an end. It's its name the name of this temporary world system, which is a temporary Luciferian world system, is Babylon, Mystery Babylon, the Great Whore. It's a harlot system in rebellion from God. So we read in Revelation 19 um, that, starting at verse 11, 
It says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness. He judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine white and clean linen, followed him on a white followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So as Christ, as the sky is split open, and Christ leads the way on a white horse, with the armies of heaven also riding horses behind him, this is a massive invasion of planet Earth by the creator of planet Earth, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is going to do what he promised to do, which is he is going to crush and destroy Satan and his armies. So, in verse 17, it says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God. So the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies gather together. See, they get into an unholy unity. And, and who are these people? These, this is the globalist elite or the Luciferian elite and the demonic powers and, um, and the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies, the armies of all the nations of the earth gather together to make war against Jesus Christ, who sat on a horse and is coming to earth with his heavenly army. And then, after Christ and the armies of heaven invade Armageddon and take back planet Earth, Jesus Christ captures the beast, he captures the false prophet who works signs in his presence, and by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast. So so prior to the return of Jesus Christ, where he's going to crush the false prophet, where he's going to crush the Antichrist, prior to that, um, the false prophet and the Antichrist deceived all the men and women on planet Earth who were deceived, and because they were deceived spiritually, they chose, tragically, to receive the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Now, so you have the, the equations. Spiritual deception equals receiving the mark of the beast, 666. And if you receive the mark of the beast and worship the image of the Antichrist, you will be cast into the lake of fire. You will be denied entrance into heaven. So, let's speak hypothetically. Hypothetically, if the requirement to receive the mark of the beast is to receive some kind of nanochip implant, biochip implant, microchip implant into your body or your bloodstream or your brain, and if that procedure involves a radical modification of your DNA so that you are no longer human because you don't have human DNA, 
you have non-human DNA, then that would allow you to be swept into this great spiritual deception. And if you're swept into this great spiritual deception, you're going to cry out for it. You're going to scream for it. You're going to beg for an implantation of the Bark of the Beast technology. But the price tag for making that terrible decision, the price tag is you will spend eternal life in the lake of fire. So we haven't finished the book of Revelation. We're, we're looking at it and we're applying it to today. The key, the key thing here is to read the Word of God, know what the Word of God is saying, and remember, you are responsible to act on the truth that God gives you in His Word. He's not giving it to you for entertainment purposes. And so each one of us, myself included, we have to make a choice whether or not we're going to follow Jesus or we're going to follow the Antichrist and the false prophet and Satan. We've got to make that choice. And whatever sins we may have committed, we have to be sure, as the book of Revelation points out, that we need to radically repent over sins, all sins. And it's very dangerous to make artificial human categories in terms of the prioritization of what we think in our finite human mind. You know, we make a list of these are the really bad sins and these are the mediocre sins and so on and so forth. All sin is sin. All sin is sin. So there must be a repentance from the core of our being that goes beyond um, acts of disobedience. It goes to the core of our being because our fallen nature is by its fallen nature, in rebellion against God. And that's the fundamental sin that we need to repent of. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I need your help now. Help me stand against the armies of darkness. Stand against the rigging and the censorship and the suppression. Help me to continue to proclaim the gospel and shine the light of truth on hidden technologies which are dangerous to you and your loved ones. I need your help financially. I need your prayers. I need you to partner with me in fighting back against the censorship and the rigging, which we experience constantly. I need you to stand with me with prayer, with finances, and by your participation. Be sure to go to paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. And remember, where two or more of us are gathered in his name, Jesus Christ, there he is in the midst of us. And whatever we ask of him, when two or more of us are agreeing, it shall be done for us by our Father who is in heaven. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Jesus is Lord.